Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant. It's so good to have you here with us today. Today, we've got another great guest for you. We've got my buddy Joel Runyon, who runs the website ImpossibleHQ.com. Really good stuff here. Joel is basically, he's a guy who's built a, a brand around doing the impossible. So he's got a great story where he was kind of in this this funk, this depression after college, trying to figure out what he wanted to do, who he wanted to become in life, and uh, finally decided just to let's set an impossible list. Let's create this thing, not like a bucket list, but not this thing you want to do someday eventually before you die, but this thing that he can start working on right now. So a great conversation with Joel about how he came up with the idea for the impossible list. We also talk about the differences between a bucket list and impossible lists. And one of the things that Joel talks a lot about is he uses this idea of reference points, which we'll talk a little bit more about in the uh, the conversation there. But we also talk about how do you increase your confidence? How do you build an online audience? We talk about where do you be even begin whenever you don't know what it is that you want to focus on? Talk about how you move forward and you stop tolerating a life that you don't love. So just an overall great conversation with Joel. I think you're really going to dig and enjoy. So uh, hey, as always, I'd love for you to download the bonus material. You can download that by uh, going to the uh, within your phone if you're listening to this within an app. The show notes at the top of the page there, there's a link that just says in a box there that says download this bonus material. You can download that directly to your phone. After the uh, interview here, Joel and I, we talk for another couple minutes and we just share a couple of other ideas and thoughts. We talk about what concrete, actionable steps you should be taking like right now to begin to get out of a funk. We also talk about why you don't have to be the best at something. So we talk about those in the bonus material. So I'd encourage you you to download that. So let's get into it, my friends. Here is my interview with Joel Runyon of ImpossibleHQ.com. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by Joel Runyon, who runs the site ImpossibleHQ.com. And excited to get into Joel's story and journey today. So Joel, what is up, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. All right, so give us a snapshot and overview of who you are and what you do and what you get your hands in today. Gotcha. My name is Joel Runyon. I run a site called Impossible, and I run a company called Impossible Ventures, where I kind of train people to push their bodies and their minds to push their limits and do something impossible. So that's the goal of the site. I started it, Impossible HQ. I started about five years ago when I was sitting around living in my parents' basement. I couldn't get a job anywhere. And I was really bored with life. And I started the website basically as an impetus for me to do something interesting or fun or noteworthy. And so I made a list. And I called it my impossible list, similar to a bucket list, but changes in a few different ways. And basically made a list of different things that I wanted to go out and do in order to kind of push myself, challenge myself, and uh, you know, change kind of what I thought was possible. And then I started writing about it. And the site started off as its own little you know, side project impetus for me to do something interesting and eventually turn into what it is today, a website. We have apparel, it turned into my business and career and kind of, you know, changed the way I actually go about life. So, you know, there's a lot of different pieces to it, but you know, that's a quick minute and a half overview. Yeah. Yeah. And I think anytime like we look at someone, like what they do today and it's like, you know, you've got the impossible list and you've got the blog and you've got the apparel and your hand in a bunch of different things. It's easy to be overwhelmed and think, man, I don't think I could ever have that, you know, that kind of business or that many things going on. But realize like that doesn't happen overnight and it takes time to build something like that up. So let's go back a little bit. Where are you from originally? 
I am from Chicago, Illinois. Okay. What do your parents do? My dad was computer engineer, and my mom is a assistant and an orthopedic surgeon. Office. Okay, nice. Growing up, what did you want to do with life? Or did you, even as you're like headed toward graduation and getting ready to head off onto life on your own, did you have any sense of what you wanted to do? Nope. I never really resonated <laughs> with people who are like, you know, like I know a, a couple friends who, you know, in third grade, they knew they were going to be a veterinarian and it was like, I don't know what I want to do, you know, tomorrow, much less, you know, 10 years. They're always asking right. what you want to do when you grow up. But I'm like, I just want to do whatever I want to do. And so, you know, even going to college, people had their, you know, their top 20. And I was like, I don't really, you know, like, I kind of had issues trying to fit into this mold that everybody else wanted to do. And I, you know, I went to school, got good grades, did all the things you kind of were supposed to do. And I got out of school and I graduated in 2009. And if you remember 2009, it's not a great year to be looking for a job, much less be be graduating into a job market right. without a ton of job experience or work history and trying, you know, a bunch of people are getting laid off right and left. And, you know, they're competing with all the jobs that you're supposed to be kind of, oh, it's your time for. And so like, I had a lot of trouble getting any sort of work when I first started out and that was a real big point of frustration at first, but it kind of led me into what I'm doing now because instead of just up until that point, I'd kind of followed along the path that most people just kind of t tell you to do, you know, yeah. graduate high school, go to college, get a job. And I kind of got to that point. And I was at the get, you know, get a job part of that path. And I realized like, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do that and I can't. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't, you know, like I had a whole list of, you know, companies I wanted to work for. Nobody would, you know, couldn't get a job at any of those ones. I started kind of lowering my expectations, going to career builder, monster, those who weren't working. And then started trying to just do anything at like Starbucks or Target and couldn't even get callbacks from Starbucks. So when you're following the path that everybody kind of like lays out for you and then you hit a big obstacle and it's not just like, oh, bump. It's like, okay, you can't get a job at Starbucks. It starts to make you kind of question the reasonableness of the plan or, you know, whether you should keep on it or maybe try to do your own thing. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that could probably relate to that of going like, I did everything I was supposed to do. I played the rules and I played life according to the rules and I, I still lost the game. So for you, are you feeling bummed out? Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling pissed off? Or like what's running through your mind when you're like, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I'm still not getting anywhere. Oh, at that point? Yeah. At that point, I was I was living in my parents' basement. Like, I can't do it. Yeah, you know, I finished. So I graduated school, and for like six or seven months, I couldn't get a job. I, got, I finally got a part-time job at UPS doing, like, delivery helping during the rush season. So from Thanksgiving to Christmas, there's a big influx of packages in the mail, right. and they hire a person to help the driver deliver stuff. So I, for six weeks, I was supposed to have a job where I basically helped the delivery man get chased by dogs, try not to break my legs on ice, you know, that type of thing. And and the economy was so bad that typically the rush season lasts six weeks and that year it only lasted three. So I was supposed to work six weeks. I got three weeks in. I think the first paycheck I got after they took out union dues and everything else is like $3. After union dues were taken out, after taxes and everything, like I think I made like $3 on my first paycheck. Break even. And I remember, yeah, I'm like looking at this. I'm like, I just got, you know, wear this terrible uniform. I'm being chased by dogs. Like I'm trying not to die on these driveways that nobody has, nobody has paved. And I'm like, is this really what I signed up for? You know, I did four years of 
school. Like, you know, I have, you know, a great GPA. I had a double major. I did my extracurriculars. I, I knew Spanish. Like, I had all these things that I thought, you know, you're supposed to do. And, you know, none of them had really panned out. And so at that point, I was just like, man, this is, <laughs> I'm looking around, I'm in my parents' basement. And I'm like, all right, is this is this <laughs> all I signed up for? And I basically just felt bad for myself for a couple of months. I think from January to like end of February of that year, I just kind of felt bad for myself. And then after that, I just got tired of feeling bad for myself. I was like, I'm not doing anything. Feeling bad for myself is not really being very productive. So what can I do next? And that's kind of when I began the shift from just sitting around in my parents' basement to starting to work on the site and trying to, like I said, have an impetus for, you know, making my life interesting, even if I couldn't necessarily get a job or anything like that. Right, right. So what was the breaking point for you? Because I think a lot of people are in that spot where it's like, I don't know what I'd rather be doing. And I just feel like I'm in this pit in life right now. And I don't know if this is a season or if this is the way it is, but you almost need like something to just snap you back into reality of being like, all right, like put your big boy pants on and we got to get up and make something of this. So was there a breaking point for you where something triggered and you finally like, I've got to do something different? So I think I've had a couple of those over the last couple of years. And I think, you know, for that specific one, it was that, you know, (laughs) it was like going to UPS for like, okay, I finally got a part-time job part-time it's like for the next six weeks i know that basically doing that not even actually getting the full six weeks getting like three weeks having half of it taken off by union dues and then <laughs> you know on top of all that like it's basically right after christmas they like fire slash let all these part-timers go because right. that's part of the deal and so that's literally like my situation sitting you know in my parents basement snowed in like can't do anything can't get jobs anywhere and i'm just like i just felt really really terrible and i think what up to before that, it had it wasn't as bad as it was then because, you know, if you just graduate school and you're out doing whatever, like, and you have to live at home for a couple of months, that's not terrible. You know, that's not a huge shift from what you've been doing for a while. But after that, it had kind of gotten to the point where it's not just a temporary thing. It's like, if I don't do anything, this is how it's going to be for a while. And I think when that hit me, that's when I decided I had to make a change. I think a lot of people get stuck in the area where, you know, something is bad, but it's not that bad. And so right. if it's not that bad, then you don't have to change it because, you know, if you go to something else, it could be worse and you don't know. And there's a big risk aversion factor in there. But, uh, you know, for me, like, I was like, I don't really know what, you know, like this is like, if I do anything, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a better situation than unemployed in my parents' basement. Like, you know, doing, you know, on my, like, you know, I'm pretty sure I can't really, you know, taking a risk on something had like almost zero risk to it because right. there wasn't much downside left. You don't have anything so, left to lose. Yeah. And so I think for, you know, I did that and then I ended up, you know, I had, I had the same decision point when I quit my job a couple of years later is like I had a job and it was really good and it was like, it wasn't what I wanted to be doing forever, but it was like I had a great boss, like people around me were great. You know, and that's a really hard situation to to leave. But then I ended up taking another job, and it was at a company that was not, you know, that I was really well aligned with, and my bosses didn't respect me. And at that point, that was like a really easy decision to say, like, all right, well, I'd rather go back to UPS than to deal with some of this stuff. So I think sometimes, you know, if people are not like an okay spot, that's actually a worse place to be than if they're in a bad spot. Because if you're in a bad spot, then you can finally 
you know, take some risk and take some initiative and, and change it rather than just kind of, you know, if you're comfortable, that's a, that can be a dangerous place to be. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, that's one thing we say a lot on the show is that there's some things in life that bother you, but they don't bother you enough. And so you just kind of tolerate it. You just kind of put up with it. And it's kind of, I mean, I know you do a lot in the fitness space. And so it's the same example of, oh, I look in the mirror. It's like, that's oh, not that bad, you know? So you can just yeah. tolerate it and you just deal with it. And I know I shouldn't eat that, but you know, I'm okay. And so we just kind of justify it in our mind. So for someone that may be listening to this, who kind of feels like that just in life with their career of where they're at of like, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I'm just tolerating it. I'm just kind of going through the motions. Like, what would you say to them that would that might snap them out of it? And either like, you can't stay in that mediocre spot in life. You have to, you have to either go up or down. Otherwise, you're just kind of dying. So, how do we snap out of that that kind of middle ground? Well, I think the you know the the question that I asked earlier, you know, is like, you know, is this it? Like, <laughs> like I don't want to be like. You know, a lot of people do like if you die tomorrow thing, and like, you know, I I don't want to be that melodramatic about it, but I think almost like a worse situation is like saying like, you know, if you just bang out the next forty years of your life doing exactly what you're doing today, like that seems almost like a more torturous. You know, if you're not pushing yourself, if you're not challenging yourself, if you're not really doing the things that you want to do. I think that's kind of the more dangerous question to ask. You know, like, you know, is this a, is this what you're going to be doing for the next, you know, whatever? I know people that have said. You know, I'm going to move or I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to quit my job. And they've been saying the same thing for the last five years or 10 years. And you're like, I don't know if you really are. I think you like saying that. I, right. I know you like saying that. I don't know if you actually like doing it. So, you know, I think asking that question of, is this it? Is this what you're going to kind of settle on as the, you know, the path for the next six months, next year, next whatever? And then making decisions, you know, in line like that. I just wrote a post called The Worth It Rule. And it's like, you can do whatever you want. I don't really care. It doesn't really matter to me. You just have to choose if it's worth it. You can have a piece of cake. I don't really care. But, you know, if you're trying to achieve a certain fitness goal, maybe it's not the best decision. You know, you can choose to stay at your job. But if you're, like, not really happy and you want to actively change something, maybe maybe you need to look at other options. And it's evaluating all decisions. And some people like to act like they're, good decisions or bad decisions and it's like you know any decision could be worth it you just have to you know understand the reasons behind it and the purposes for it and just make a conscious decision and i think that is almost harder for people than other areas because it's like we talked about at the beginning you know most people have a script or a you know a set of rules that you got to play by and if you can just stick to the script and follow the rules and don't break any of them then you're good and that's not really the case and that's not really how you go about creating something interesting. A lot of times the rules can keep you from getting in trouble, but it also prevents you from, you know, doing some of the stuff that maybe you actually want to do. So whenever you hit your own breaking point and you're asking yourself, like, is this it? Like, is this what my life is going to be? Like, what is your next step? So for someone that may be listening to this and going, all right, I'm at my breaking point. Enough is enough. I got to do something different. I'm just not sure. It's kind of like the thing where it's like, I'm fired up. I just, I don't even know what to do you know, yeah. and I'm pumped up to do something. I just, uh, now what, you know? So in your story, in your situation, like where did you even begin to start gaining some clarity of what maybe your next steps could be? Yeah. So on my first one, like when I was, you know, in my parents' basement, I was kind of probably where a lot of your readers are. I, I was sitting around, you know, uh, I had a lot of free time. So I was reading a lot of blogs. You know, I was reading people like uh, Sean Ogle or Chris Gillibo, if you know mm -hmm. them. Yep. 
And Chris was like traveling to every country in the world at that time. And like, I was really mad at Chris at that point because I was like, man, that's my goal. But I've been to like four countries at that point. <laughs> and Chris had been to like 120 or something stupid. And I was like, man, I really want to do that. But I, I don't have any money. I can't even get out of my current space. And how am I going to go to another country? And then I saw Sean and Sean had just quit his job and traveled the world. I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty awesome, but I can't even get a job. So, you know, like I was stuck and I saw all these people around me and they were doing interesting things, but I didn't know what to do. And so for me, I just started doing things that I was interested in and it didn't matter what it just started. I just started picking things that I was interested in. So there are some guys that were running a podcast called Indie Travel Podcast. They needed help editing it. It's a video editing experience and I like travel. So I started helping them with that. I knew I was interested in the internet. I knew I was interested in marketing. And so I took a flyer on a internet marketing company out in Indianapolis and basically started working for not free, but pretty close to free. Yeah. And just from a getting experience and trying to understand if this is something that I'm interested in and just started doing that. I started like messing around with WordPress and just, you know, trying to install it on Bluehost and trying to figure it all out and screwing it up over and over and over and over and over again until finally I was able to build a website that I didn't overwrite on the second day. You know, like, I don't know if you've dealt with that, but I've, <laughs> yeah. I've screwed up so many websites in my day. It was just this process of like trying different things out that I was interested in. It's like, you know, I don't have to have it be this, you know, like this massive, big, huge accomplishment. Like, I just want to like try things that I'm interested in. And it's okay if it's not, you know, the thing you do for the rest of your life, but you got to try something at some point. And so for me, it was just that process of like, okay, what, you know, poking a bunch of different things, throwing a bunch of things against the wall and seeing what sticks. And when I started to do that, then all of a sudden I started to like, you know, as soon as you try something, you get a feel pretty quickly of, you know, either this is going to be fun. I'm terrible at this, but I'm enjoying it. Or, you know, like maybe I could see myself working on this a little bit more and getting better at it. And pretty soon you can filter out the different things that you want to be doing or you want to spend your time on beyond just, you know, what you would normally do. But you got to be conscious about what you're actually choosing to go after. And a lot of people think, you know, if I want to learn to run, I've got to start off running a marathon or something like right, that. Right. It's like, no, just start off with the, you know, uh, literally I was in that situation. I was like, oh, I, I want to do a, a triathlon, but I don't know anything about triathlon. So I did a indoor triathlon, yep. which is not even like a real thing. It's, a, it's like a fake <laughs> thing, Lifetime Fitness made up. And I just did it because I, I want to do something. And I figured, you know, I'd have less of a chance drowning if I was in a pool than in open water. So, you know, I went out and did a, a triathlon and then started getting a triathlon. So it was really just the process of just trying a bunch of different things and seeing what sticks and seeing what you're interested in and doing the things you enjoy or find challenging more. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say, kind of going from there. Yeah, I think that's so true of just like, I think sometimes we look at way down the road. Like one of the things we talk about here is we look at like someone's career spectrum on the A to Z. We look at Z and where people are. You look at the Gillibos who've been to every country and you're like, well, I can't do that. Well, long before he went to every country, you know, he went to a couple of countries. And so just starting with something small, and I think the running analogy is, is so spot on. I've done a couple of marathons. I've done six, let's see, six half marathons and four different triathlons. And, and when you're just getting started, like I've never been a runner at all. And so the idea of doing 26.2 miles just seems ludicrous. I just thought that was just completely absurd. But then you do a 5K and you're like, well, I don't know, maybe I could do, you know, a half. And then you do a half. And I remember thinking, I'll never do a full. And by the time you do a half, you're like, 
all right, I'm in as good a shape as I'm going to be, so let's, we may as well try it. And so I think in some ways this, you know, this theme of impossible, your boundaries of what you thought were impossible start to expand. Sounds like that's kind of what happened for you. Yeah, and I tend to call those reference points, you know, like if you're aiming for an ultra marathon, like I didn't even know what an ultra marathon was before I started running some. Yeah. And, you know, you're thinking about a marathon or whatever, and you're like 26.2 miles, like I can maybe run like two. That sounds good. Yeah, maybe the point and, two. Yeah, and I got the point two down. I'm good at that. <laughs> no, so it's like, it seems crazy, but once you do that, you know, the 5K, then you're like, well, 10K is basically double that, like. You know, I might be able yeah, probably do one and a half, and then if I train, maybe I could do two. And then all of a sudden, it just starts compounding on each other. And, you know, my situation was I did this indoor triathlon, and I spent so much time telling myself how difficult it was going to be. And at that point, my self-confidence was, you know, in the sewer, and you know, I, I didn't think I could do anything because I couldn't even get a job at Starbucks. So I was like, maybe I can do this. And I remember finishing it and thinking, like, wow, I spent so much time building up in my mind about how that wasn't possible. And if that's true, then what are the other things on this list of mine that I'm building up to be impossible? And if I just sat down and figured out how to do it or train for it, I could easily go out and do it. And so that, that was kind of the impetus behind the whole thing was it was like, okay, I have this reference point. I know what it's like to think something's difficult or impossible. And then I know what it's like to go do it. And so then it's just a matter of progression and, and continuing to do that over and over and over again. And so, you know, people might think it's crazy or, you know, ludicrous. You're looking at that Z point, but it's really just, you know, you're slowly going through the alphabet and learning one letter after the other. So, yeah, for me, it was just kind of taking that first reference point and then using that, you know, from a you know, indoor triathlon, I did a sprint. Then from a sprint, I did an Olympic. Yep. Olympic, I did a half. I mean, it's kept expanding that into running and a bunch of different areas of life. And I think once you get the idea of those reference points, then it starts to help you a lot in other things as well. Yeah, I love the way you frame that out with reference points that it does. It starts to feel like, all right, if I did that, then surely I can do this. And even like doing a, I haven't done a half Ironman, I'm intrigued by it, but my first long like bike ride, I did a 50 mile ride. And I remember finishing feeling like, man, if I had to do a half marathon right now, I'd be tired, but I feel like I could do it. And it's just something about that you mentally just expands to what you think is possible. So sounds like for you, you're starting to get a, a sense of, or just starting to question, like what is actually impossible, created the, uh, the impossible list. So tell us what exactly is the impossible list? How is it different than a bucket list? So the main difference on it is a bucket list is a static thing. And a lot of people build a bucket list and they, they have a lot of fun and they like use a random tool, like, you know, like 42 list or you know, there's a billion bucket list tools out there. Sure. And most people build a bucket list once and then they try to spend their life crossing it off. And, you know, the, the possible list started with just a couple things on it. And uh, the goal is over time to expand it. And, you know, as I do, you know, as you get those reference points, you start considering and contemplating other things that you would never experienced at first. Like over time, you grow into a person who can set bigger challenges for yourself than the person you were just five years ago. If I was to you know, if if I looked at the the impossible list as it was in the first iteration, you know, when I started, you know, four and a half years ago or so, um, it would not be, it wouldn't have some of the things on this list that I currently have because I've grown, expanded, and challenged myself into a person who can think about, you know, bigger challenges and bigger bigger obstacles. And so the goal of the impossible list is that it grows over time as you grow as a person. 
like you said, bigger challenges that force you to grow more as a person. And, you know, ideally, like, you know, I always say, like, I want to be spent. I don't want to have anything left with, you know, left in me when I, you know, when I die, like I want to be spent. And, you know, like I don't necessarily expect to, you know, something that has to be finished. It's more of like a, I said at the beginning, it's an impetus to do something interesting with your life and continually challenge yourself to do more things. Yeah, I like the idea that it's kind of a living, breathing document that's always kind of evolving and changing based on where you're at in life and stage of life and what's going on. And it's never this, I create this list when I'm 22 and hopefully I accomplish everything before I die. But it's just kind of, you know, when I'm 40, the list is going to look different than when I'm 30. And it's always just kind of evolving and changing there. So you create this list, you start kind of writing about it, you start checking some items off of the list. How are people starting to find out about you? How are you starting to create a business around this impossible brand? So nobody found me for a while, which is common. I think that happens. Yeah, I think I think everybody expects like as soon as you put a blog up, like there's a notification that goes out to the world, and everybody's like, "Wow, we have to check this out." That didn't happen. I wrote for about a year without really having like a strategy or anything. It was literally just, okay, here's the things that I want to do, and if I say I'm going to do them, like even if it's in a public setting that nobody reads, I'm going to have to do it. And so just kind of started working on that, and really the goal wasn't to create a business, wasn't to do like make money or whatever. It was really just to start writing and start doing something interesting. And so that's how it started. And then over time, it just, it began growing in a couple of different ways. So one of the things that as I started doing some of the physical items on the list, I started taking the same approach in my own, in my personal life and my career. And so I, I mentioned this job that I took down in Indianapolis, basically went down there on like a flyer and said, okay, yeah, like I'll, uh, it was, it was a commission only sales job at this internet marketing company yeah. and basically started, didn't make any money, like sold almost nothing. It was a really bad product market fit, but started working with this company and, and basically getting in with the owner, starting to build relationships with people, build knowledge and actually build understanding of what was going on, both in internet marketing with our clients, with the company. After a couple months where I basically made no money, we transitioned the role into more of like a, into more of a semi-permanent one where I could actually, you know, subsist and make not lots of money, but something. And we basically turned around the entire, you know, at first the company was focused on building like $2,000 websites for people. And we turned it around into a company that was selling, you know, eight, $17,000 retainers. And so I was there for a year and a half and a year and a half to two years and and basically went from this commission-only salesperson to the marketing director of the company in just a couple of years, just from taking the time to meet with a lot of people, learn anything I can get my hands on, and just teach myself over and over and over. As I was doing all that, I started uh, some freelance stuff for friends or people that were just, you know, they needed help, but they didn't necessarily, you know, fit into the criteria for my day job. And so I was basically doing a lot of the stuff during my day job um, in my spare time along with the blog. So I ended up calling that company Impossible Ventures, which is actually the overarching company, all of my projects. So I've got this day job. I've got this like freelance marketing company. And I just kind of like, you know, at this point I had a full-time job. I had this stuff going on. You know, I had some side income coming in. I didn't necessarily need to make money from the blog. And I think that's one thing that's different about, impossible since I've started it, it didn't necessarily start as a business. It started it as a, it started as a 
you know, project to be interesting. And so over time, I started kind of like, okay, well, I've got this, you know, I'm starting to build an audience. I'm starting to, you know, there's a lot of hosting resources that it's taking up. Like there's actually a lot of expenses associated with it now. Right. So at least let's make it self-supporting. So basically I just started, I noticed very early on that I wrote a lot about myself and not a lot about other people or how to help other people with their problems. And very quickly I realized like, and this is when the blog started to kind of change is when I started focusing about not, okay, this is a life lesson Joel's doing, this is the race Joel's doing, but this is how, you know, something that I did or something I experienced can actually help someone else. And so very slowly I started to do this shift where, you know, instead of just writing about like, oh, this is going to be really hard, this is going to be very difficult, into a, okay, I went through this challenge, here's a couple things that, you know, went through my mind, and here's something that you might be able to, you know, take away from it. And over time, we built a couple different guides based on different resources. We built a couple fitness guides. As far as like, you know, from a revenue standpoint, we built a couple fitness guides. I think I did a triathlon guide at one time. That was definitely in the learning stage. Sure. But, uh, you know, some, some were better than others and some were, some were good and some were bad. And I basically just started taking note of what people were reacting to or what people were, you know, what content I was writing was resonating with people. And then basically from there, slowly going, building more and more resources around that. And then, you know, from the ones that really resonate with people and they said, Hey, we really want more information on this. or we want your take on how to do this. Then I'd build a more in-depth resource on that. And we turned that into a, you know, some sort of paid product. So over time we've done that with a lot of different things. I, I did a product called possible abs, um, which is a fitness based product. And we talked a lot about the paleo diet. Paleo was really popular with a lot of people. We had a lot of people ask a bunch of questions about it. And so I started an FAQ site, which turned into a massive BMS of a, a site. I think we have like 500 articles on the thing now. And we have a top 20 app in the iTunes store. And so it's kind of just like a matter of listening to what people are, are saying they want to find out about and then providing them more resources and, and enabling them to kind of take their learning into their own hands and you know equipping them to do that. I think there's such a, I guess, just a good overarching principle from your own journey of just paying attention and just seeing what people are asking about, seeing about how that how that aligns with what you're passionate about, what you're into, what you're knowledgeable about, and seeing what those opportunities are to be able to provide something for the market. So, hey, let's wrap up. But um, I do have a couple other questions I'm going to ask you in the bonus round. One of the things I'm wondering about is for someone that may be listening to this, what's our next step? If we feel stuck, but now we've got a little kick in the pants and we don't want to be living in a, a mom's basement or living in a van down by the river, then what would be some of those next steps? So I want us to talk a little bit about that. We'll save that for the bonus round. But in the meantime, if people want to check out more about you or what you're up to, uh, where can we go? You can pretty much find everything at impossiblehq.com. We have a podcast over there. We have you know, my blog and uh, we're working on a lot more video stuff too. So impossiblehq.com is the place to check everything out. Awesome. Well, very cool. Well, Joel, uh, we'll come right back uh, with a couple other questions and people make sure you stop by. You check out the uh, impossiblehq.com website. Really good stuff over there. Check out Joel's impossible list, what all he's accomplished and everything that's still on the list that he's working towards. So uh, we'll be coming at you right now with the, uh, the bonus round. So we'll see you over there.
All right. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Joel Runyon of ImpossibleHQ.com. Really good stuff there. Hey, if you enjoyed the interview, you definitely don't want to miss out the, on the bonus material. Basically, Joel and I, we hop back on the mic. We record for a few more minutes. You can download that extra bonus completely for free. So simplest thing to do is if you're listening on a, on a phone or mobile device, top your show notes there for this episode. Right on your phone is a link to download that bonus material. Make sure that you check that out. Also, if you haven't already, while you're in your phone there, looking at the info for the show, we'd love for you to subscribe to the show. That way you never miss out on an episode. Every time a new episode comes out, it's always downloaded to your phone and you don't have to go searching and going, okay, did I, have I listened to that one? Have I not listened to that one? But uh, we would love for you to subscribe to the show. It really helps us out. Also, if you haven't left us a rating or review within iTunes or Stitcher, we'd appreciate any feedback you got that would really help us out. All right. Hey, as always, my friends, feel free to email me, grant grantbalden.com. Hit me up. Let me know what you're uh, pondering, chewing on, wrestling with, anything that I can do for you and help you uh, support you on your journey to find and do work you love. Let me know. So that wraps up this episode. We'll be coming at you again next week. You're awesome. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.